It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to a new episode of the World Soccer Talk podcast. This week, Kartik and I dive into why we may have flipped our opinion on the European Super League idea, what Warner Brothers is doing different with their US women's coverage, as well as discussing our main topic of this podcast, which is the Wrexham effect. So Kartik, I'm, uh, but listeners, if you're new to this podcast, uh, I'm Christopher Harris. I'm joined here by my co-host Kartik Krishnaya. Kartik, just just for some background, so not I'm sure not everyone is on top of the Wrexham story. Um, most of our listeners are of this podcast on, on a regular basis, absolutely. But if you're new to the pod, or you've been on vacation, or something happened in the last seven days, uh, really, it's quite surreal because soccer in America has exploded. And it happened before a ball was even kicked in that Wrexham against Sheffield United FA Cup game last Sunday. We have our thoughts on what triggered the news, but whatever made it ex- explode on social media, Twitter, Facebook, you name it, uh, reached a snowball effect over the last several days. Um, then it reached an even bigger peak during the game itself of the FA Cup this past Sunday, which was a really fun game to watch, played at a really, actually, I say a, a pretty high level, really, really from start to finish, uh, very exciting. Uh, crazy ending, actually crazy big beginning in many ways too. So everyone is talking about Wrexham. Uh, so whether it's in-laws, friends, strangers, neighbours, everyone I come into contact uh, with is mentioning Wrexham. I mean, in some regard, and it could be that they love it, hate it, or indifferent, or just talking about the show, or talking about the team, or talking about the FA Cup. And guess what, Kartik? Right now, I would argue that this is the biggest story in U.S. soccer. Yeah, I, I think uh, uh, Rexham is the driver right now of a, a lot of new fandom. Okay, so there's established fandom that watches Major League Soccer, that watches the Premier League, that watches the other leagues' niche followings for the other leagues in this country. But I think that the driver of new fans is Rexham. And I think Welcome to Wrexham has done more to drive new fans, drive engagement, and fans that want to be not casuals, but kind of want to really understand this whole thing and the culture around football and the working class roots of the sport than uh, Ted Lasso has. And uh, that might be shocking to a lot of people out there. I think Ted Lasso has triggered some curiosity, right? Casual curiosity about the Premier League and about uh, English football. But I think this is doing a lot more to cement long-term fans to the game than that that program did. Yeah, that, that's a great point, Kartik, because uh, with Ted Lasso, I, I know from personal experience, a lot of my in-laws uh, watched the whole series and loved and loved it. I mean, and when they'd run into them, maybe during the holidays for a family get-together, they would say, hey, Chris, isn't Ted Lasso amazing? I said, yeah, that, that's great. But let me ask you a question. Have you watched any like Premier League games? Has it kind of encouraged you to watch more soccer? And the feedback I got from a couple of different people, again, in, in my kind of in-laws circle, was no, but it gives me a better appreciation of it. But I'm prob- yeah, I haven't watched any more soccer or actually any soccer. So the difference with this one is, is that we're watching soccer. So even if you watch Welcome to Wrexham, the series, 
you're tuning in to ESPN Plus to watch the FA Cup game. You're tuning in to ESPN.com for the latest news. You're coming to our website. You're coming to social media. You're going, I mean, you're kind of all in on Wrexham. And and how big is Wrexham right now? Uh, for those listeners who are just wondering that may have not seen this uh, kind of uh, snowball effect. Well, one of my tweets I posted on Wednesday at World Soccer Talk got more reach than any of Major League Soccer's tweets about Apple's MLS season pass. And we were going to do a show today based exclusively solely on MLS season pass, talking about all the features and benefits and what we thought of it. However, this Wrexham story is bigger news. And in that one tweet card, it got 7.7 million it reached 7.7 million people. And, it, and all it was was an article uh, that World Soccer Talk wrote. Not, not, nothing, nothing kind of an amazing story or anything, but basically what it was saying, which is reporting from our sources at ESPN, from the spokesperson, confirming that from all the games that were on television last Sunday, and that was Liverpool was on, Real Madrid was on, Borussia Dortmund was on, uh, I think Inter was on, Napoli was on. So all these major teams, but Wrexham... That game was followed by more people on ESPN.com and the ESPN app than any other game on Sunday. Which is just, just staggering. Yeah, it is staggering. And uh, it, it is the topic. Hey, look, my circles are a little different. I, I concede than uh, the circle that maybe a lot of. Uh, uh, um, uh, a lot of MLS fans travel in. Uh, my circles are very much lower division U.S. soccer and then people who follow European football, particularly northern European football, right? Particularly Germany, uh, the, the low countries, you know, Belgium, Netherlands, France, and England, England, Scotland. So I will concede in my circles, it is by far the biggest story and everyone's talking about it. Um, but I, I think it's penetrated, right? It triggered something on the other side, which would be the MLS circle. Circle, and then also the circle of uh, people who watch the Spanish and Italian leagues who are growing ever more resentful. Uh, uh, people who watch the Spanish and Italian leagues in the United States who are ever more resentful of what they see as English hegemony and the Anglo Anglophilia of the media and all, all of these sorts of things that they that they accuse us of, but um, are really kind of mythical. Yeah. It's 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 weird though, Kartik, because like like you and I, like t- uh, just as two examples, and, and listeners definitely uh, th- think about this for yourselves too. How many clubs do you support? So for myself personally, I've been a Swansea City supporter since I was I think nine or eight. Uh, so it's been basically my entire life, or well, it is my t- entire life almost, been a Swansea City supporter. However, I, I have interest in other teams from uh, other leagues. So like in Major League Soccer. The team. I'm not a, a massive fan, but I'm definitely I pay more attention to Inter Miami and watch a lot of their games. Um, partly because I'm curious where it goes. It's a South Florida story. It's it's where I've spent most of my life and a stadium that uh, I've spent many 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 years at. So I have an interest in Inter Miami. So there's there's two teams, and then if I look at different leagues from around the world, I probably have. Not clubs I support, but definitely clubs I look up their fixtures first or the results and see, okay, did, I mean, I don't know, did Hearts win today in in the uh, Scottish Premiership? I'm not a Hearts supporter, but I have an an affinity to Hearts. So, Kartik, why then is it such an issue with some fans um, that they don't want to seem to want people to really you mean kind of they're, they're kind of basically kind of knocking the, the Wrexham story down is it because they don't ha- support more than one team or, or is it something I, else? I don't know Could, because if you're a fan of lower division soccer in the United States you, if you're in my position you've been forced to support many teams because our teams keep going out of business right Fort Lauderdale Strikers I've supported five different incarnations of that club uh, Fort Lauderdale Sun I'm now a Miami FC supporter and of course they're in USL championship uh, but they're fighting uh, a battle against the club you 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 just said you support in, in Major League Soccer, right? And, and as a lower division team in the same market without the ability to get promoted, uh, we're trapped. So I'm accustomed already to going kind of from team to team because of that. Uh, I've been a Manchester City supporter for almost 40 years now, as you can read in, in, in my book published by World Soccer Talk. Chris, a little shameless, shameless plug for that book. Uh, it had only been 30 years when I wrote that book. That book was written about 10 years ago. But um, yeah, I, I, but I can completely understand because I 
at, at various times I've supported Stockport County, then they've fallen out of the football league. Ironically, they're the team that prevented Wrexham from being promoted last year. So that's that's kind of a connection of me to this story. And then in Germany and Italy, leagues that I watch pretty closely, I have kind of various rooting interests in clubs. I've really liked watching Atalanta and Sussuolo, those two clubs the last few years in Italy. So I will admit, Sussuolo is in a relegation fight now, although they're, they're pulling away a little bit from that relegation zone now. But I, I, I check their scores. So I don't this idea that you can only support one club and somehow it has to be maybe an MLS club. Um, and I think everybody also who knows me and follows me on Twitter know I have I've hidden it. Uh, I tried to deny it, but I have a I've had a rooting interest in Everton for a long time. In fact, um, we talk about the four level strikers. All of those people who were new to soccer that then worked for the club when I was involved with the club or involved with the NASL. When they asked me what club to support and 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 to try and push them towards a club, I I would push them towards Everton. So, um, but yeah, this idea that you can only support one club is very weird to me, and it's also strange because. Um, that then cuts off your ability to kind of organically find a club, to organically have a story that speaks to you, to, to be connected in a way that so many people like football. I think this is a key part of the story, Chris. There are different reasons why people support football or, or watch football. I know there are people who just want to see the best players. They want to see um, Neymar and they want to see Mbappe and uh, uh, Rafael Leal and, and, and uh, Messi, the top players. So they're only interested in watching the top clubs. Maybe those are the people who want a European Super League and say they hate the Premier League for doing what they're doing financially lately. But they're very different than the top. And MLS speaks to those people too because I – you know, a lot of people who listen to this podcast will disagree with me, but I think MLS, from an actual player standpoint, is a pretty high-level league. There are other re- other things that prevent it from maybe being as good as it can be, given the players they have in the league, but that's a conversation for another day. But for a lot of us, Chris, football is about culture. It's about the supporters. It's about the towns and the communities that the, the, the games are played in. Uh, the, the the march to the stadium, the trips to the pubs, the interactions with those supporters at a grassroots level, and Wrexham wraps that all up nicely for so many of us in in a way, and it has been presented. Uh, in that FX documentary series, in a way that no club has ever been presented to us before. So there's a lot to take in there, Kartik. So so first of all, I I know also too from doing this podcast that you're a fan of Queens Park Rangers. You mean a championship side, so you mean definitely not in any peril, at least for now, of playing Everton. Maybe, maybe next season, but 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 who knows? But you, but the point is, is that you support uh, a few different clubs, and I know I can go down the other leagues too, and, and probably recite some of those clubs that I, I know you have an affinity to. However, I don't think that's the issue, though. I think the issue is because you have two sides to the story. You have one side, which is basically. Uh, People that have an affinity to Wrexham, maybe now it's for many of them their their favorite second team. Maybe it's their favorite first team, and, and these are Americans I'm talking about. Where they've watched the series, uh, Welcome to Wrexham, they fell in love with it as most of us have, have done, and now they're able to actually watch those games and watch Wrexham play. Not that often. I mean, if they keep on going through the FA Cup, they'll have more chances. But they see him on, on TV now and again. And, and for, for casuals, that might be okay. Then you have the, the other side of the spectrum. Uh, and this is not nothing against Major League Soccer, but a lot of people just kind of creating kind of a firestorm, just reacting negatively to anything about any exposure or any mentions of Wrexham. So you have that friction in between. And I think the the main reason why there is such an uproar about it on social media, at least in terms of uh, not not why Wrexham is so big, but why there's so many to- people talking about it, is competition. This is competition for uh, airtime. This is competition for just just talking about a topic. And right now, which is why this podcast episode is titled, I mean, Wrexham is the biggest story in America, so- American soccer right now. It is the biggest story because there's a ton of new people coming into the, the conversation that normally disregard or don't really pay much attention to soccer. Or if they do, it, it's a casual uh, basis. However, there's, still, there's also a lot of hardcore people too. And you also have a lot of fans probably that came in on the World Cup that uh, watched a lot of soccer and they're looking for a team. So... 
I, at the end of the day, I think I, I'm okay with any league you know, around the world. Everyone, every league is a little bit different. Every team is a little bit different. But to have this fifth tier club trying to de- to, to uh, defeat a Goliath that's 71 places above them in the, in the league pyramid in the FA Cup is an incredible story. And that and that's the heart of it too. Is that this story? For many different reasons, you mentioned a lot of them too, in terms of the the local aspect and the community and and the people around the club um, and the team itself, which is playing at a really good level. It's the story, and, and I think that's that's what other leagues are missing. That's why uh, this is the biggest story right now in U.S. soccer. And, and Chris, let me. Uh- take it a step further. You mentioned national teams in the World Cup. The feeling I got on Sunday, talking to friends, talking to people around the game, we all support different clubs, right? I'm I'm Manchester City. uh, uh, I have friends who are Chelsea, Arsenal, Spurs, uh, Milan, uh, Barcelona, Real Madrid, right? Um, The thing it, there was a unity among us who are usually on, you know, we'll watch football together or talk about football together, but we're, we're on opposite sides. There was a unity behind Wrexham, like it was our national team uh, on Sunday. There was something very special just about my interactions with other longtime hardcore football fans. This is not even to mention the newcomers we're talking about that we've actually focused on the first 15 minutes of this podcast. Um, about supporting this team because of the way the story's been told and how connected to them we feel because of how well that documentary series was done. And let me, let me repeat, and you, you and I have talked about this for years on this podcast. There's, uh, there, there are a dime a dozen, right? Documentary series about clubs, um, that are produced by clubs and that are picked up on Amazon or Netflix or, 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 or wherever. Um, this is far and away the best, and I've seen the tangible effect in terms of people. I, I mean, we thought the Sunderland documentary was great, right, on Netflix, but I can't tell you anyone who said, oh, well, you know, I'm really following Sunderland now because of that documentary. Uh, um, this, this is really something unprecedented and, and very special, and I'm, I'm sorry that so many people in kind of the establishment of U.S. soccer field, they have to push back on it. They should be riding this wave. This should be complementing uh, what they do in domestic soccer and MLS and USL and other leagues and helping to build a, a bigger tent for soccer because it certainly can be complementary if they don't find it resentful because there is something very special happening. The sad thing about this is that I'm not going to mention any names, but there's uh, some U.S. soccer uh, broadcasters who wanted Wrexham to lose this game. And the reason why is because if Wrexham keep on going, this which, which this story is already snowballing, it's, it just gets bigger and bigger every week. And if they did beat Sheffield United in that second leg, you mean there's a chance. It's a very slim chance. But if they did beat that Sheffield uh, United, the next game they play in the next round is again at home against Spurs. You can imagine how massive that would be. So, and and what happens if Wrexham gets promoted? I mean, will, will Americans notice then? You mean, will they pay attention even if they get knocked out of the FA Cup? I, I think they will. I mean, and this this story continues. And like you said too, Kartik, it's a shame that um, people, I mean, there were a ton of people that were united, absolutely, wanting Wrexham to win. Uh, some people that couldn't care less but watched that game and actually fell in love, love, love with the story and wanted the team to win. But I think at the heart of it too, Kartik, it, it also, one of the stories or one of the kind of the angles that has been, um, hasn't really been mentioned is the FA Cup. I mean, what a fantastic tournament this is, right? It's a tournament that gets all the games, or actually almost all the games, on ESPN+. Plus. It's easy to access. It's 10 bucks a month. You can watch all the FA Cup games. And now and again, there is a David versus Goliath. And now and again, it happens. So almost every single year, there's always a shock. And I mean, this has been something that's been growing for like, what, in the United States for about 20 years Hardcore soccer fans watching the FA Cup, just loving it, tuning into the third round, seeing these small stadiums, these clubs that we're not that familiar with, um, beat a Premier League side or beat a Championship side or, or whoever, whatever they get, or even lose in the last minute against Liverpool or something like that. And the FA Cup, I mean, to me, it shows a great example of, of what this is and shows how ex- exciting of a story uh, it can be. And also at the same time, unfortunately, is a is a bad reflection on the U.S. Open Cup. This is a competition that 
I think all of us want it, want it to succeed and, and be bigger than it, uh, I mean, to grow, really. However, I mean, we're in, what, February? And there's still no information about uh, television coverage or streaming coverage uh, or, of these games. Or the draw. I even, like, I, I mean, Miami United, which is a local team to me, uh, qualified uh, uh, through the sub-first round w- level uh, two months ago, right? They, they qualified. Actually, their game was the same day as the World Cup final, so a month and a half ago. And still, they have no idea where they're going, who they're going to play uh, a month and a half later. When they need to get their team back, because they're, they're in a, a league whose season uh, doesn't begin again for, for, for a little bit. So it's, it's a real mess. Yeah, going back to what you were saying too about Wrexham, I mean, that's the frustrating thing is people fighting against this, trying to argue against the team or trying to bring them down or trying to just um, basically take, take the discussion away from that. And then on the other side, it's everyone kind of saying like, no, this is a great story. We don't understand the negativity or the exclusivity that, that people are kind of uh, putting on this. This is a story that de- that deserves to be told. And, and it is a good story. So whether, I mean, yes, Ryan and Rob are making a big difference here, right? If it wasn't for them, they wouldn't have bought the club. But they did a smart move. They went ahead and invested, what, $2 million or $2.5 million in buying Wrexham and then deciding to put together a documentary, a series about what's life like in the first season of, I mean, being owners of a soccer team, like two people that probably uh, don't deserve to be anywhere close to a soccer stadium because they don't really have that soccer knowledge. However, they have a thirst for, you mean, doing something exciting. And this is completely exciting. So that, that adds, that's definitely an angle that uh, is added to the popularity of, of the series and, and of the team itself. But Kartik, we've seen this too before in Major League Soccer. We've seen LAFC with all of their Hollywood owners, I mean, Will Farrell and many others, and a lot of other, Matthew McConaughey uh, involved in uh, Austin FC. And there's been other actors and diff- other films and, and kind of um, the, the LAFC series that MLS put together. <laughs> yeah. I, so so, so why, why did that not resonate? No, 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 why, why don't we continue on that theme, Chris, with the LAFC series? Since uh, so many MLS fans want to complain about Walt Disney's promotion of Wrexham and Ryan Reynolds. Um, five years ago, four years ago, I guess the documentary came out, they, they put ample resources behind that LAFC documentary, but there was not the same sort of compelling storyline. What what was it? You had a celebrity uh, team uh, that was that started at the very top in the first division with a brand spanking new stadium in glamorous downtown Los Angeles, uh, backed by these celebrities spending lots of money to bring in Carlos Vela and the best American coach, uh, I think of all time, in Bob Bradley. That's not the same thing as a plucky working class town down on its roots where the support Supporters have had to buy the club and save it from a from a shark owner. Then taking on these two guys from North America who have no connection to the city, but you know are, are compelled by the story and having to vote on on buying the club. And then the, the 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 stadium was one of the most historic grounds in all of world football, but it's fallen into disrepair. It is completely different, and that's the thing that a lot of these people who are pushing back on Wrexham uh, can't get. MLS couldn't tell the compelling story now. Um, Apple Season Pass has launched, and well, I guess we'll talk about that in a little bit. But I do, uh, uh, poking around Apple Season Pass, I do think MLS might have done, I haven't seen any of this stuff yet, but may have done a little better job in kind of creating some compelling storylines in terms of uh, team context for that, for the documentaries they put on that. But the, the resentment of Disney and ESPN, they had their chance and they blew it. They told a completely different story, which... I, quite frankly, I, it shouldn't resonate, and it didn't. So, yeah, I think we'll do the MLS Season Pass next week. We'll dive deep into that. But MLS Season Pass, even if it has really good content in there, and I've seen a bunch of people on social media talking about, hey, Chris, definitely watch uh, The Ritual or watch this other series. Uh, but however, Kartik, for the most part, MLS Season Pass, for all, all the great things about it, is a box inside a box. And what I mean by that is... I mean, yes, some of that coverage is available uh, uh, in, the front, in front of the paywall where you don't have to actually pay, uh, but the vast majority of it is behind the paywall. So there's disadvantages to that because you look at Welcome to Wrexham, you look at, you look at Sund- Sunderland Till I Die, um, 
Sunland Till I Die was on Netflix, still is on Netflix. Welcome to Wrexham was on FX and is now on Hulu. So these are programs that are well-produced, I mean, documentaries, docuseries, that are available a lot more accessible to the mainstream, mainstream America. So if, if even if you're not a soccer fan, you might come across Welcome to Wrexham or you might see a tweet about it and go like, let me check it out. Let me see what all the fuss is about. If you happen to hear anything about uh, MLS season pass, about, I don't know, a certain episode of The Ritual, you mean, you're not going to see that on mainstream television. You're going to have to try and figure out, okay, MLS season pass, where do I go? Oh, subscription fee, $99 a year. Yeah, great content, great number of games, but it's, it's hard. There's obstacles in your path to going ahead and watching some of that content. So even if Apple and, and, and MLS do a bang-up, fantastic job, they're missing out big time on, on these two series. And that's the other part of it, too. I think the ESPN angle is key to this because a lot of the negativity about Welcome to Wrexham is aimed at ESPN. Why couldn't ESPN have done this when uh, they had MLS rights? Why is ESPN finally uh, caring about soccer all these years when they ignored it? Why is uh, right? Why is ESPN having Welcome to Wrexham those those guys on on Sports Center? The reality is is that MLS was on ESPN for. <laughs> Two decades, more than two decades, right? 27 two years. Now. 27 years. Right, almost, yeah. three, almost three decades. And ESPN, well, you're going, to that, but going back to that LAFC documentary, ESPN Plus had every single episode of that series available on ESPN Plus. ESPN Plus is very accessible. Yes, it's lost a lot of soccer rights in the last couple of years. But ESPN is... And they promoted uh, that series during other soccer telecasts, by the way. Right. Because at the time, they had the Serie A rights. They didn't have the Bundesliga yet. I, don't, I can't remember. But they did have Serie A. I remember them promoting it during... There, there were these Serie A matches when ESPN had the rights. They'd show at 7 in the morning on Sundays. right? And my DVR would pick up all of them. And I would go back yeah. and watch them during the week. And they would be promoting that documentary. And ESPN is... A machine. They uh, do. They do a great job at marketing. Uh, they do a great job at storytelling. And I know there's a bunch of probably listeners that say like, no, 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 they're horrible. They never promote this stuff, but they do. However, so I think a lot of the angst is is towards ESPN because of the popularity of Wrexham. Is why couldn't we have had that popularity? Why couldn't we had that same exposure? And I would argue actually that MLS had more exposure. Over almost 20, you know, 27 years of games on ABC, uh, you mean kind of pro- cross promotions, ads everywhere, every single game kind of on, on um, ESPN, like, hey, even if it was like, I don't know. Look, UEFA, look I, I don't watch UEFA uh, game. college football anymore, but when I watched college football, they would, co- and it overlaps always with the MLS playoffs, they would constantly push MLS Super Cup play or uh, MLS Cup playoffs, uh, uh, ESPN and ESPN2 tomorrow. It, it, it constantly I, I, during October. Uh, and and yeah. I'm talking about for several seasons. So uh, maybe they haven't done it the last few years. I don't know, because again, I don't even, watch college football anymore, but they did in those days. Yeah, but even even like Euro uh, 2020 or like kind of the European Championships, it would be a, a game, I don't know, England against Italy at halftime. Hey, don't forget to come back later to watch um, the MLS game. So I would argue that they've given, I mean, MLS more than enough opportunities in 27 years to try to be as more successful than they are now. And this is nothing against Major League Soccer. I, th- I think at the heart of this is that what I'd like to see is people stop with the negativity. I mean, allow this to breathe. Maybe Wrexham gets knocked out in that Sheffield United game. But this is a good thing. This is, this is bringing in new fans into the sports in the United States. The U.S. soccer even environment needs more fans. We need more fans to even watch the games, to increase the TV uh, ratings, uh, to go into the stadiums and buy tickets, and, and to love the sport. It, it's a fantastic sport. And to try to stop people from doing that, I think is so, so disrespectful. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Kartik. Yeah, I completely agree. No, I, I, I have no... No, no, let's just take a breath there. Yeah, no, I have, I have no... I, I, I really kind of put out, I didn't realize the, the, the degree of venom. We have these debates, and sometimes it gets toxic on Twitter and, 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 and uh, on Reddit and, and various message boards, but I've never seen the sort of venom from MLS fans. And, and again, those MLS fans, a lot of them don't want us to support our local clubs in USL or NPSL. They... they they, they say, oh, you're being elitist watching Euro, European stuff. You're a Euro snob. Yet they, they don't want to embrace the lower divisions or their community clubs, right? There might be an NPSL club playing five minutes from them and a fourth division club, and they would have no idea about it, don't care about it, don't want it really to succeed. Um, so the venom this week was really something I didn't expect. And on the ESPN uh, uh Situation before we move on, this idea that ESPN doesn't promote soccer, I think, is pretty funny. I uh, I said again, I don't watch college football anymore. The only other sport other than soccer I still watch. Well, I, I watch golf, but um, more more golf during the summer than any other time when actually uh, the European leagues are out of season. Uh, but I watch college basketball still, or at least watch um, uh, University of Miami, Florida Atlantic University, and University of Florida, my, my schools, and. Um, UM game was on ESPN2 on Tuesday night, and the ticker was full of soccer news. They literally, it was a transfer deadline day, but they literally had like eight transfer stories that were part of the lead, and uh, Enzo Fernandez, and Kaylor Navas, and all this stuff. And then uh, Sports Center after the game, um, they had a big feature on the transfers, and on the deadline day, and, and uh, Lu- Luis Miguel came on and, and, and gave his analysis. And, and so this idea that they don't cover soccer is crazy. It's mad. It's, it's absolutely factually incorrect. So out of all the U.S. sports networks, there's only one that has a daily soccer show. And that's ESPN, ESPN FC. Right, right? That's right. the only show. There's nothing else available. And then that doesn't touch upon even all the La Liga coverage, the Bundesliga coverage, FA Cup, League Cup. I mean, you go down the list, there's a lot of properties that they have. And the vast majority of them are, are on ESPN+. I, I, even, Plus. I even said, Chris, during that game, during that Hurricanes, Virginia Tech game, that if I was a, just a Virginia Tech or Miami fan, I might, because I don't like the ticker to begin with, right? And I never look at it, but I did this time because there was all the soccer stuff. I might be annoyed as a college basketball fan that they're pushing soccer so aggressively in soccer stories. So this idea that they, they don't care about soccer, I don't know where it came from. I, I don't know. And, it, and it's really become very mainstream uh, in, among MLS fans especially yeah just one more thing on this one uh, from me before we go on to the next uh, segment is it reminds me of billy joel's song we didn't we didn't start the fire <laughs> because because this, this has been this is a story we've been talking about for five months so welcome to Wrexham. the series launched in august and here we are well almost like nine months later and suddenly all of a sudden we have everyone talking about it but in between those nine months, it wasn't a sudden thing that just happened. It's been kind of a progressive uh, every single week and every single month. We're seeing more and more people talking about it. We're looking at all the different metrics in terms of the website traffic, social media, um, what people are, are responding to. And also, I think in many ways, what the mainstream's responding to. So we've been clued into this the whole time. We've been talking about it. Uh, for the, uh, We did a podcast maybe 
maybe a month ago, or maybe two months ago, it might have been three months ago, where we said, like, this is just crazy. Nobody is talking about the show. However, Kartik, you and I know it, it's it's a big hit. Every, it's record numbers. But the journalists are not talking about it other than us, pretty much for the most part. But we had the podcast back in August talking about the series. I think in September, we did some interviews with some of the, the Rexham executives. And we've been talking about it. We haven't sh- shied away from it. But it has caught fire. Yeah. Hi, Kartik. <laughs> it's a fun topic to talk about. And, and there's so much more. We can talk about it. But maybe we'll save it for another podcast. We haven't even talked about the club or promotion relegation or all the other things that are going for it. But uh, but let's move on, though, too, because um, we do have some TV streaming news. And that's in regards to U.S. soccer. Um, they, As you may know, they are the new English language um, rights holders to U.S. men's and U.S. women's uh, national team games for the most part, mostly friendlies, She Believes Cup, etc. Well, so far, U.S. soccer is off to a good start on TNT. Uh, this past Saturday night's uh, USMNT against Columbia game uh, delivered the most viewed English language January friendly viewing numbers since uh, 2019 and the third best English language friendly overall on cable numbers since 2019 also. Additionally, women made up 40% of the audience for the USA-Columbia game on TNT, which is the highest for a USMNT friendly in English language in the last uh, 10 years. So that, 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 that's, that's, that's great numbers there. And then the other news, too, is that uh, She Believes Cup is coming up uh, in the next uh, couple of weeks, and um, every game is going to be on HBO Max. Uh, there will be some of those games on TNT, but the big difference here is that if it's on TNT, it will also be on HBO Max. So I think this decision was made really to try to increase the number number of subscribers to HBO Max because what's the point of subscribing to HBO Max for soccer if it doesn't show every game that they have the rights to? Now it will, moving forward. And in other news, Kartik, uh, the January transfer window is closed and Premier League clubs spent more than $1 billion in the January transfer window. So how does that compare to the rest of Europe? Well, that's 85% of the entire money spent in the January window across Europe. And Chelsea, football club, spent more than all of the clubs in the Bundesliga, La Liga, Serie A and Ligue 1 combined. Kartik, um, I, I know you have a lot of thoughts on this one too, but, but in terms of the European Super League, now, now the idea is back, right? Uh, because now people are saying like, well... I mean, the Premier League is effectively the European Super League. Does Serie A, La Liga, Liga, and the Bundesliga need to figure out a plan to kind of circumvent and actually compete against the Premier League? And should we feel sorry for any of those leagues in terms of where they're at financially? Uh, no, I, I don't feel sorry for them. I mean, uh, Germany has a very fine, uh, uh, strict model that I embrace, and that's kind of the model I want to see in the U.S., 50-plus-1 supporter ownership uh, and, and, and members and supporters controlling football. Uh, that's my ideal uh, my ideal worldview. Now, I'm under no illusions that un- with that model, can, you can compete with the likes of, uh, uh, of, of the Premier League and Real Madrid and Juventus, etc. So uh, Germany is a different uh, kettle of fish but in terms of and in terms of france real quickly chris france is doing a really good job now of attracting outside investment i think liga uh, is coming i think they, they, they they've got um the the media rights thing is still a problem we, we've talked about that on this podcast before but I, I think that they're kind of on the up now the other two leagues italy and spain i want to address directly because there seems to be this view among fans of 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 those leagues in the u.s and they're generally fans of very big clubs real madrid barcelona uh, uh, Juventus, AC Milan, Inter Milan, Roma. Um, there is this view that um, we, we're kind of owed some sort of status in the game, even though we made all these financial mistakes, we made all these marketing errors, we've done all these. Uh, we, we we've uh, uh, not supported a, a stronger league structure in terms of revenue sharing and those sorts of things, um, particularly in Italy. That that I'm addressing Italy more than than Spain, um, and that it's terrible. You know, a provincial club from the the Midlands, it, like Nottingham Forest or like Leicester City, they shouldn't be able to take our play. 
players, uh, a, a, a tiny club from Yorkshire in these people's minds, like Leeds United. They shouldn't be able to take our players. It is condescending, it is elitist, and it is uh, patronizing. And I, I don't buy it at all. You know what? They, they made their bed. They now have to lie in it. If you, uh, unless you want uh, some sort of socialist construct where uh, the English uh, league and English clubs get penalized for running their businesses uh, uh, better in the free market than the clubs from Italy and Spain. Um, maybe that's what people want. They want uh, punitive measures taken against uh, uh, th- those who are successful because certain clubs and certain people should always be on top in the game. So I, I, don't, I don't like it. I've never liked FFP. I've been outspoken about that for well over a decade, and I don't like uh, all this talk. And I really, it's actually annoying me probably more than even the MLS against Wrexham thing, to be honest with you. <laughs> Yeah, I, I definitely sense and, and sound sound uh, the frustration in your voice, psychotic, in terms of uh, kind of what's happening. Because I think in many ways, though, too, I mean, it, both both you and I were vehemently against the European Super League when it, when it happened or the attempt to make it happen at the time. Very critical about it. Very critical about all the clubs involved. And it wasn't just Juventus, Barcelona, Real Madrid. There were a lot of Premier League clubs too, as well as clubs from from throughout Europe. However. I think in, in, from a business point of view, I think Serie A, La Liga and Liga have to sit down and, and probably have some private conversations and say, what can we do? Because at this point, I mean, the Premier League is a run, uh, kind of a runaway train. It's the gulf between the spending of what they're doing right now versus what those other leagues are doing combined is, is gigantic. So there may be conversations. However, I think the Bundesliga is going to stay the Bundesliga football as it's meant to be. Uh, God bless them. I mean, I think, and it might end up being that maybe those leagues, Serie A, La Liga, and Ligue 1, go back to focusing more on domestic and saying, "Hey, you know I mean we've got a good thing going here. Uh, we've got fans around the world." Will never be as big, big, big as the Premier the League. Problem. That's part of the problem. The Real Madrid has never cared about their domestic league. Like, let's be honest. I mean, they've never they've had this contempt for Tebas and, and La Liga and what they're trying to do. And these Italian clubs think they're bigger. The, you know, uh, Agnelli would make the comment, "Who wants to see yeah. Atalanta in Europe?" So, yeah, I, my, the, I'm, I'm really not. Uh, I, I, I don't really entertain their arguments because I think it's all moving the goalposts all the time. At the same time, though, Kartik, Real Madrid, in terms of UEFA Champions League, you mean look at what the su- success they've had. Yes, it's a, it's a knockout competition. Yes, it's uh, you mean kind of a anything can happen. You mean that the probability of something uh, happening more often is more likely. Uh, it's you mean so you mean in terms of, of winning it, but um, yeah, you're right. In terms of they haven't focused on the domestic, they've always looked kind of globally. And something has to change, though, because, I mean, where but things are these heading. Club, but if these clubs were more concerned about this, they would have built up their domestic leagues. They would have had revenue sharing. They would have had uh, uh, things that got oh, more TV too money. Too little, too late. Yeah. So it's their fault. It's my point. I mean, you can't, you can't, you can't mess up your business and then c- turn around and say, we deserve a bailout because these people are doing better than us. These yeah, people no, who we think are true. beneath them. No, it's very, it's very true, and it is something that's uh, fascinating to watch because in terms of just even the transfer markets and the, the amount of money that clubs are spending in the Premier League on these massive players, I mean, it's, it's effectively becoming the NFL, right? Becoming like the, the giant in terms of all the best players, um, all the best teams, and even the, even the bottom clubs. I mean, you look at Leeds United, Southampton, um, Bournemouth, Wolf- Bournemouth Wolf, and Wolves. You look at those and, and see how much they spent. They spent each of those spent uh, roughly about fifty million um, pounds in this January transfer window. Actually, fifty million dollars uh, in this January transfer window each, which is far greater than some of the biggest teams in Europe. So even the bottom clubs are, you mean, getting richer and richer. It makes the Premier League more interesting, uh, and for the other leagues. I don't know. It's a really challenging time right now. They have talent, but they don't have the the TV revenue. And 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 you're right, Kartik. A lot of this comes back to past mistakes, right? Uh, you look at uh, La Liga, and for the longest time, it wasn't a equal system where every single team got a, a TV revenue share about the same. So they they've lost that audience, and and, and the Premier League has done a lot of things right. 
they, have, they haven't been perfect by any means. I think the English language uh, component is a huge difference uh, there. But yeah, this this is a, a huge story. All right, Kartik, let's move on to listener mailbag. Uh, first up is Conrad. He wants to talk about Wrexham. Conrad says, hello from Atlanta. It was amazing watching the Wrexham game, but also the talk about, about it on the web. No one is saying that MLS has no history, but Wrexham is interesting because the club is 158 years old with a proud history. It's an underdog story. U.S. Fil- uh, films of the likes of Remember the Titans, Rocky, Moneyball, Mr. Reynolds and McElhenney. Oh, I'm sorry, uh, uh, Moneyball. Uh, Ryan Reynolds and uh, Rob McElhenney uh, didn't create the show to promote promotion relegation, but are but aim to show the whole community that some people may relate. Having an open system and less parity restrictions adds elements to storytelling that MLS may never have. Next up, uh, before we move on to the next one, any any feedback on that one, Kartik? Yeah, I agree. I, I completely agree. And I actually had a thought this week that I shared with an Arsenal fan, which was that I felt like a fever pitch. Nick Hornby's book had been turned into a proper movie in the United States instead of uh, um, a, a movie about baseball, right? They took a story about Arsenal yeah. and turned it into a movie about baseball, which really offended me. I never went and saw the movie for that reason. Um, if it had been done properly and been made into a story about Arsenal and Arsenal supporters... I think we may have had this effect 20 years ago, honestly. Uh, Hornby's book's about 30 years old now, but that movie, I think, was made 20 years ago or so. The baseball movie, which, again, you know, really angered me. Uh, but, I, but I think that you just need something compelling about supporters and community and that sort of thing, which had never been done properly in this country before. Uh, and it made me think of Fever Pitch. Yeah, definitely. And then uh, next one is Chris. Actually, I'm sorry, it's Steve. Steve wants to talk about Apple and MLS. He says, it's been a long time since I've written in, but I have a few thoughts about about the last pod. You mentioned free matches on Apple TV. And for me, that uh, Apple TV Plus, and and for me, that actually clinched not paying for the MLS season pass package, which I was already probably not going to due to the price point between attended matches uh cable fees apple tv plus uh free matches i'll still be able to see a decent chunk of matches i might feel differently if my mls club the chicago fire wasn't uh, perpetually mediocre but i think i also got spoiled uh when i lived out of markets and got to watch most matches on espn plus a service i was already paying for yeah, I think right now in terms of MLS season pass, which we'll get into next week, but it is a a uh, pivotal moment. I mean, it's going to be a lot of question marks about are people going to subscribe to the service or not? And um, what's the value um, with what you get for what you pay for? Serie R, just a couple more comments to go here. Serie R, uh, Ryan has some really good uh, thoughts here. He says, I listened last week, as I do every time you drop your podcast, and heard your comments about La La Liga being boring. Everything you said about La Liga, I have the same feelings for Serie R. I will watch the big games like the Milan Derby and and whenever Napoli plays a big team. But outside of that, the league for me is is really bad. From the half-empty stadiums to the presentation for Paramount Plus of the league, it is bad. Um, And the broadcasting is absolutely horrible, except for the big games where they have Matteo Benetti and Dre Cordero doing the games. Outside of that, I have pretty much given up on the league. Wow. And Kartik, I know you have some feedback on this one, but but just real fast here in terms of what, what I thought, what I think about this one, is I think with Serie A, the world feed English language leaves much to be desired it's it's not good it, it's it's decent it's okay it's average but when you listen to the premier league and you listen you listen to peter drury or uh, jim proudfoot or gary taphouse or martin tyler or whichever ones are your favorites those are some of the best uh, commentators in the world the bundesliga does a fantastic job of commentators so whether it's Derek ray phil bonnie kevin hatchard etc Fantastic job. Um, Liga, not so much. La Liga has a lot of the ESPN Plus uh, broadcasters. They do a great job. Mark Donaldson, Rob Palmer, uh, Ian Dark, etc. However, Serie A, to me, I would argue... I don't know. I think it's just blah. But, it's by no, the way, no, nothing special. I, I meant to mention this earlier, but uh, props to Sky Sports for bringing Kevin Hatchard on to their set. Uh, 
transfer deadline day because that's a guy who knows the Bundesliga and they're better than anyone other than Derek Gray, as you mentioned, and Phil Bonney. Those would be the big three. Um, and Hatchard was able to give a lot of analysis of guys who, who were coming in from Germany or were playing uh, in Germany or the move to Germany of Cancelo. So uh, props to Sky for that because usually Sky is very insular uh, in their presentation of, uh, of transfers. And this year they, they had Hatchard on. So I wanted to mention that. Um, yeah, your points about Serie A are all well taken. I think the world feed, it leaves a lot to be desired. And I would also say that um, uh, something I neglected to mention earlier, but I keep mentioning on Twitter and mentioning to Serie A fans who get in my face about the Premier League is you have a major attendance problem and it's a cultural problem in Italy now. And young people in Italy aren't watching football and they're not connected to their clubs the way their parents were and their grandparents were and their families have been because of uh, the stadium situation, because of the perceived uh, perception of, of some of the things that go on in stadiums and also because the infrastructure itself is crumbling. So uh, Italy has huge problems. When I talk about Spain and Italy together, I, I have to... You know, I have to, I should parse my conversation, maybe parse my words a little better because, uh, the reality is Spain is nowhere near, has nowhere near the problems that Italy does. Yeah. And, and there are good games to watch in Serie A. Uh, when I tune in with Serie A, I'm more selective. I'll tune into the games that I know will be good, or at least I think will be good. Uh, and then sometimes I'm surprised, right? I'll be watching a game and it just blows me away. All right. So we've got a great comment next from Greg, but we're going to save it for next week it's a really great comment about the calendar and Liga MX we will save that for next week we've got to run so uh, if you do want to get involved with the show uh, send us your feedback either on Facebook facebook, facebook.com slash World Soccer Talk at World Soccer Talk on Twitter uh, worldsoccertalk.com the website Uh, you can also send us an email uh, email your questions to or comments to web at worldsoccertalk.com and then also you can also leave a voicemail if you like, 561-247-4625. And Kartik Krishnaya, you can reach Kartik on Twitter at KKFLA737. And I forgot to mention one more thing before we go, and that is that uh, in Kartik and I's uh, conversation about Rexham AFC, uh, I forgot to mention it, but... Uh, this story is not only the biggest soccer story in America right now, but it's a huge story in England and Wales and the United Kingdom. And the reason is, is because, well, there's many different reasons why, but we can get into that a- another time. But the fact is, this is a major story in the UK press. Kartik heading into a big week. Who knows what's in store? What are you going to do? And what should the listeners do? Enjoy your football. Enjoy your football.